Hey friends, welcome to Thursday, April 21st. Thanks for joining me for Enough for Today. And I'm glad you're taking the journey with us. We are in Psalm 41. Now, I want you to catch something as we are still in the front part of this psalm. The entire psalm, in many respects, foreshadows Jesus. In, in a variety of ways, um, like the Old Testament, so much of it does, okay? Jesus quotes this Old Testament psalm when Judas is going to betray him at the Last Supper he quotes this psalm. But I want you to think of this. <clears throat> we talked yesterday about blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. What is the greatest example of that in all of human history? What is the number one, like, pinnacle peak moment where a man considered the weak? Okay? It can be done today in your life, throughout your, your lifetime. But when in human history did that reach its zenith, Jesus, on the cross. He's the only one, in fact, in a human body who ever perfectly considered others at the expense of himself. He was the extreme. He was the utmost of love and infinite compassion in the face of infinite sacrifice. So this is what I want to point out to you, and, and it's the pattern, really, of all of Scripture. You begin with a supreme, holy, uh, infinite God who creates a creation that then falls. And you have a pervasive condition upon mankind called sin and death, or you might call it the fallen condition, okay? So even our goodness is, um, is being done out of a fallen condition. Most often, our goodness is poorly motivated. It's tainted with uh, overtones of, of personal agenda and uh, private motives and what we get out of it. We're generally good for selfish reasons. So even our goodness, as Isaiah said, uh, is, is like filthy rags, okay? Um, so at our best, we're still sinful. We still have a fallen condition. Um, so even as we consider the poor, even as we try to implement the ethics and the morals of Scripture, we do so imperfectly, and we generally do so um, with at least partially selfish motives. So our fallen condition is pervasive. So you have this high and holy God. You have then man's fallen condition. What is the answer? Well, you have a, a God who condescends, who takes on himself the form of a servant. He becomes, he was made in the likeness of men. He takes on flesh. He put on a human body. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. To what end? For what purpose? So that he might fulfill all the demands of God's righteousness. We could say God's laws, but it's bigger than God's laws. It's who God is. It's God's nature. It's God's purity and perfection lived out in a human condition. It was who you were supposed to be and I was supposed to be before the fall, before the curse of sin and death. So Jesus became the original pre-fall Adam. He became the original of creation who lived in the midst of a fallen creation, lived out the perfect manifestation of what a perfect man should have been, would have been, could have been, okay? So he fulfills all of the expectations of God for a perfect humanity, okay? A perfect man. So here I am, fallen condition. 
Jesus comes into that fallen condition, walks this planet, fulfills perfect righteousness, all of the righteousness of God. He lives to the highest, okay? So he does all these things perfectly. And then what does he do? He goes to the cross and he becomes the antithesis. He takes on himself the form, he takes on himself my sin, my guilt, my shame. He becomes sin for us who knew no sin. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So in Jesus, so the blessed life that I cannot live in my fallen condition, Jesus came and lived and then he went to the cross and he took in him my sin so that he could put on me his righteousness. So now what we're reading about Jesus can be, it has been fulfilled uh, in the eyes of God on my behalf. But then it can be fulfilled practically in my life. We call that growth or sanctification or discipleship, following Jesus so that his life is lived in me and through me. And so my fallen condition can be overcome by the Spirit of God, by the person, the presence of Christ in my life. So my friend, when you read a psalm like this, the idea is not try harder to consider the poor, okay? Try harder to live out this ethic. Try harder, work harder at being moral. No, the, the reason uh, we study these scriptures in this light is we see it this way. I can't do this in myself because I am fallen. Jesus came and did it for me perfectly, rose again, lives in me, and is now realizing it in me through spiritual growth and through my following of him as I'm growing up in him, rooted and grounded in him. Do you see this? This is the picture of all of the Bible. Perfect God, fallen condition humanity. God came to us, for us, fulfilled the demands, went to the cross so that he could give us his righteousness. But not only that, so that he could live in us. We become the temple. He becomes the possessor, the dweller in our lives that begins to live his life out of us and we can grow up in his righteousness. We're given his righteousness, his DNA, his spirit, but then we get to grow up in it. So the answer is not try harder. The answer is yield more deeply, surrender more fully, uh, trust in faith that he's going to live this out of me today. Now, with that view, let's look again at verse 1 and 2 and maybe 3. Blessed is he that considereth, is mindful of, is aware of, is understanding of the poor, the weak, uh, those that are in, in a d desperate condition. Why? The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord has got your back as you are doing kingdom work, okay? Look at verse 2. As David now fills in this, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. <clears throat> He's going to expound on this. The Lord will preserve him. Uh, preserve meaning to keep, to watch, to observe, to guard, to secure, okay? So not only did Jesus come considering the poor, and was Jesus delivered in his time of trouble and preserved and kept alive or resurrected uh, and will be blessed upon the earth as the coming king um, and was not delivered to the will of his enemies? I could go through this whole passage 
and show how Jesus is foreshadowed. Jesus is the man described here, but so are you, okay, through Jesus. So that's where scripture is so powerful, where blessed is he that considereth the poor. Who is that first? Well, first it's David recounting his own situation, okay? But secondly, it's Jesus being foreshadowed that he considered me. And thirdly, it's me in Christ considering others by the Spirit of God living this life. Do you see it, okay? It's, it, it's so multifaceted and so powerful. So the Lord will preserve him. The Lord will keep him alive. So through Christ, we have eternal life, okay? And as I am on mission with God, I'll be kept alive. As long as my physical body is, is, is designated for God's assignment, I'll be kept alive. And when he brings me home, I'll still be kept alive. And he shall be blessed upon the earth. I'll be blessed now, as Jesus was blessed in his earthly life. I'll be blessed in the new heaven and the new earth forever and ever and ever. Shall be blessed. This blessing is going to continue flourishing and exponentially growing uh, in the ages to come. So this is a massive uh, declaration of those in Christ, those in God. Blessed upon the earth, thou wilt not deliver him under the will of his enemies. Listen. You may feel like in this moment, in this near view, that the enemies of your life are getting the best for the moment. Well, that's what it looked like when Jesus was crucified too, okay? But give it three days and there's a resurrection, okay? So my point is, friend, don't just have the near view, have the big view. Your enemies are defeated. You can live today in the light of the big picture, in light of the grand narrative, this is what David understood. David was learning this, okay, that his little short-term near-view, near-field enemies were no match for the cosmic, for the grand narrative of God that was being written in his coming Lord, his coming Messiah, and the coming kingdom. So God's preservation promises, God's promises of life, God's promises of blessing, God's promise that I will not be delivered under the will of my enemies now, we're going to pause there. That's the end of verse 2. This is awesome. Think of this in these terms. David wrote this from his experience. This became a psalm that was sung for Hebrew people for many hundreds of years. Then Jesus fulfilled it, lived it out, and he puts you into the narrative, and he's living it out in your life right now. Hey, happy Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow, and we'll look at verse 3 tomorrow.